0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 48.
0: Look, the right thing to do is to fully shut down both the restaurants, and we're going to shut down for two weeks. We're going to pay our staff 100% in its entirety. It includes servers, bus guys, cooks, managers, everyone 100%, and then we'll reevaluate after two weeks. Welcome to a real world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal
1: what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. How's it going, everybody? I am Jay Scott. I am your co host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. And I am here again this week with my lovely co host, Carol Scott. How are you doing today, Carol?
2: Oh, wow. Usually the answer to that question is I'm great. I'm awesome. Everything's fantastic. But be completely raw and honest right now. Everything's not great and awesome and fantastic, right? We're, uh, we're all in this together. We're going through some horrendously scary times right now. Uh, worried about our family, worried about our neighbors, about our community. Um, On a business perspective, I've had to shut down one of my businesses. That's heart-wrenching. You know, in the meantime, just being grateful for what we do have, uh, trying to stay connected with people as much as possible, find ways to get out there and help other people. But it's not easy. I think we all have so many swirling emotions right now, and we don't want to be all doom and gloom. We don't want to be negative. We try to all see the bright sides of things, but you know, it's it's trying. It's trying. I had a pity party for myself last week about shutting down my business, and uh, then I decided it's time to stop pitying myself and whatever. It's not the end of the world, and see how I can instead channel that energy into talking with other people and listening and helping as much as possible. So. I'm really grateful that we have this show and uh, it just gives us another opportunity to, to listen and hear other people's stories. So thank you all for continuing to listen and being supportive. And I'm hoping I'm not being too preachy, but I truly believe we're all going to get through this together.
1: Absolutely. And we have a really good show today. I'm not going to lie. It's not the happiest of shows, but we have an amazing guest. His name is Brett Oliverio, and he is owner of the number one bar in the country, according to Barstool Sports, which if you're into bars, that is probably the um, the metric by which you're going to measure this. So he is owner of the number one bar in the country. It's called Sup Dogs and or Sup Dog. And it is he has two locations in North North Carolina, and... He's here today to talk to us about a couple things. One, he tells us about his story and how he got started in the in, in the business, which unfortunately is a, a bittersweet story in and of itself. And then we talk. We transition a little bit to how he and his business are handling the the COVID nineteen crisis and and the uh, basically the lockdown that we've had over the last couple of weeks. He has one hundred and twenty employees. He has a multi million dollar business and. Basically, his uh, his end result out of all of this has not been great. But he talks us through what we should be thinking during these times as business owners, what we can be doing as business owners, and at the end, definitely listen to the end because at the end of the interview, he talks a little bit about what we as business owners should be doing to ensure that when push comes to shove, at the end of the day, our businesses will survive when other businesses may not. So again, not the happiest of, of interviews here, but a very good interview and a very real and raw interview and an amazing, amazing guy, Brett Oliverio. So before we jump in, if you want to get more information about Brett, about Supdog, his number one rated bar, or anything else we talk about in this episode, check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow48. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow48. Now, before we jump into our interview with Brett, let's hear a quick word from our awesome sponsor. Can I tell you about my new favorite app? It's called Blinkist, and it's my secret weapon for learning new things and keeping myself educated. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways All the essential need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. People always ask me, how do you stay up to date on all the topics you write and speak about? How do you have time to prepare for your interviews with all the authors you have on your podcast? Blinkist is the answer. I listen to Blinkist in the car, when making dinner, and even have it playing in the background when I'm in the shower getting ready to start my day. By the way, the latest book I've listened to on Blinkist is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. If you haven't read or listened to it, I highly recommend it. Now, if you haven't already done it, you have to download Blinkist. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com BPB and try it for free for seven days. You'll even get 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash B-P-B to start your free seven-day trial. And don't forget, you'll also save 25%, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash B-P-B. Are you familiar with Tresta? You should be. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere with no hardware, just the smartphone you're already using. Tresta allows you to add local and toll-free numbers with tons of call management features that empower you to communicate smarter and more efficiently. This is the best business phone app on the market, whether you're a real estate investor, small business owner, or entrepreneur. Growing your business is all about networking and communication, so it's important that you're always available. If you've been carrying around a second smartphone, if you're chained to your desk, or worse, if you're giving out your personal number to anyone and everyone who you do business with, then you should give Tresta a try. Tresta is easy to configure, so you can set everything up yourself, all online. Tresta has got all the features you need to give a professional impression for your business, like call recording, auto attendance, user groups, and more, all included. There's no contract, and you don't need any special equipment, just the smartphone you're already using. The best part is, it's just $15 per user per month, plus, Tresta is offering a 30-day free trial, so you can see if it's right for you. This is such a money saver, we know you're going to love it. Start your free trial now at Tresta.com slash BiggerPockets. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com slash BiggerPockets. All one word, Tresta.com slash BiggerPockets. Thank you so much to our sponsor. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump into our discussion with Brett Oliverio.
2: And everybody, let's welcome Brett to the show. Brett, thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Of course. Thanks for uh, thinking of me and having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely.
1: We really appreciate having you here. So you own the number one college bar slash restaurant in the country at according to Barstool Sports, who I think a lot of us would take that as a, a huge endorsement. And so I, I'm really interested in talking about how you got into that business. I know these days with the coronavirus, with the, the shutdown that we've seen, it's been a difficult time for a lot of us business owners. So I, I'd love to hear about your backstory and then kind of transition to what's going on today. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the college bar restaurant business and and uh, what your, your background?
0: Sure, sure. Well, I went to James Madison University, graduated with a degree in marketing from there, and then worked in, you know, I just didn't want to take like a normal Joe job like a lot of my friends were that graduated from the business school. So I I fell in love with radio and television, but mainly radio. And for about a decade, I produced a morning radio show in Washington, D.C. called The Sports Junkies on 1067. And that's what I did from the when I graduated in 2003 until 2012. Um, during that time, my little brother started a restaurant called Sup Dogs. And his vision was specialty hot dogs, specialty burgers, beer, liquor, and a high-energy college environment. And my sister went to ECU, East Carolina University. So my family found a little hole in the wall there, and that's where... Derek started his dream of, of Sup Dogs. So meanwhile, I'm working in radio. He's just launched Sup Dogs. And, you know, I, I don't know if anyone's ever, you know, people always ask like, hey, how do you just start a restaurant? Well, my family didn't have a lot of money, but my dad took out a home equity loan, which we thought was dumb. So he gave my brother like 60 grand. My granddad gave him a little bit of money just really to uh, sort of feed his pipe dream. And that opened in August of 2008, And then in September 2011, he was coming home from work on a Thursday night. Uh, It was like 2.30 in the morning and he got home. His house was on fire and he ran in after his dogs and never made it out. So he passed away September 2011. And then I got married. My wife and I got married in October, three weeks later, which is pretty rough and crazy. And then uh, four months later, my wife and I decided to quit our jobs. Just literally, she worked in, she sold online homeschool curriculum. Uh, I quit my full-time radio job. She quit her sales job, and we just moved to this random town in Greenville, North Carolina to sort of take over uh, Sup Dog's restaurant and uh, and see if we could carry on my brother's legacy. So uh, kind of a, people always ask me, how'd you get involved in Sup Dog's? Or how did Sup Dog's start? And. It's just kind of a buzzkill story, but, uh, you know, I don't mind talking about it, but I had no restaurant experience. My wife had worked in restaurants most of her life as a server, so she kind of knew how a restaurant worked, but I'd never worked a day in a restaurant. So I sort of just jumped into everything blindly. So that's kind of the the, the quick uh, version of the story.
2: Thank you for sharing that. That's I mean, talk about heart wrenching. I I can't imagine what you must've been feeling and going through at that time with it being your brother, obviously. And mm. then add on to that, all the emotions of your new marriage, your new wife, your new life together, just all of these things. I can't even imagine, you know, almost a decade ago what that must've been like. And then that, that having that be the driving decision to, to change everything that you and your new wife were doing in your life to do something, to carry that on for your family. I think that's, Really noble and also just incredibly, incredibly brave to say, we have no experience doing this, but we're gonna keep <laughs> his dream alive. And so we're just gonna go ahead and, and just make this happen. So so how was how was that transition when you you moved up to East Carolina University and were like, Okay, here we are. Did you just jump in? It was back to business as usual, or what happened?
0: Well, you know, I remember getting to the area and the plan was Uh, let's, we, we found a, a, a a apartment to rent. So the plan was, look, have my wife pay ourselves minimally. So just pay ourselves enough to just survive. Uh, my wife spends a month getting the uh, apartment ready and sort of establishing a life as, you know, making sure you have stuff on the wall. I don't know, just trying to feel like you have a home And then I'm going to go on the restaurant and just sort of figure everything out. I'm sort of glad I didn't know anything about the restaurant business because looking back on it, I, it's just so freaking hard that I don't know if I knew how hard it would be. I don't know if I would have done it. I mean, I'm hundred percent glad I did it. Like that's no question, no brainer, but I'm just kind of glad I was just had no clue what I was jumping into. That almost helped things. Um, you know, the my brother was, when he started Sup Dogs, he was 23. So he made the business cool um, where people were coming through the door, but there were no business practices in place. So, so anything and everything you see on these bar rescue shows was sort of going on at Sup Dogs. It was kind of the Wild West. But, you know, he sort of did the hard part, which was created a brand, made the place cool in a, in a, in a college town where everything sort of vibes off of what's trendy and, and what's cool with the students. So people were coming through the door, but when I got here, there was not much money in the bank account, almost no business practices in place. I knew nothing about the restaurant business. So I was sort of shell-shocked. And and sort of a story that that always pops in my mind when I get asked that question is, you know I remember about a week into it, I came home, my wife setting up the house and we're just kind of still just, can't believe we're living in this random town. And, and I remember going to her and be like, and I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know anything. I don't. I, I don't know any of the staff. I don't know anything about the business. I don't know, like, just the little things like how you order food or what goes into the recipe for the chili or you know how you order beer or how you. I just didn't know anything about food service, restaurant business or anything. And I, and I was kind of just like, I don't. I don't know if I could do this. And she just looked at me and said, like, she said, look, you're being a bit. Or she might have said, I'm not sure. Stop being a pussy and (laughs) go in there, walk around the restaurant, see if people need a refill, ask them how they're doing. You'll sort of get a vibe on whether they want to talk to you or not. You're the owner that people in a restaurant want to talk to you on So just talk to people, get to know people and just walk around. And I was like, "Okay, I I can do that. And that sort of motivated me to just show up the next day. Um, And that's sort of what I started doing.
1: So so that'll get you to a restaurant that people talk about. That'll get you to a restaurant that people enjoy going to probably get you to profitability, just doing the common sense sort of things. But, you took this restaurant to or this bar restaurant to number one in the country. (laughs) And and I I get the feeling that doesn't happen accidentally. That doesn't happen just by going and showing up and refilling people's drinks and and saying hi to people. I, I have to imagine there's a whole lot more that you did to get you from that day to literally number one, (laughs) according to Barstool Sports, which is, is huge in the country. So what was your plan? What did you do? What did you do differently than, let's say, I would do or Carol would do or anybody else would do if they just kind of inherited a restaurant like that?
0: I just think I dedicated 24 hours a day, every day of my life to figuring out the restaurant business. There were no friends. There were no... Uh, you know, let's go bowling or let's go meet the neighbor and have a drink at the neighbor's house. Let's none of that. It was 100 percent. My wife and I all in on the business, learn everything from top to bottom, ask every stupid question. You know, I remember Googling how to make a restaurant profitable, how to operate a restaurant. I bought a book. The first book I bought was, uh, you know, sort of short stories from successful restaurant owners. And then version two, I actually had a chapter in that. So that was, I was pretty uh, excited. They asked me to be in that. But, uh, and like, I just would ask everyone, every dumb question. Like I remember asking our food distributor, I would ask, I, cause I didn't know anything. So I would just ask the dumbest questions and they would look at me like this idiot. And I remember, and that, that would motivate me. Cause I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to ask you this question and I know it's lame. I know it's dumb and I know it's elementary, but 10 years from now, this business is going to explode. And I'm going to make a ton of money and F you. That was kind of my mentality where, you know, I might be the worst right now, but at some point I'm going to be the best at running a local restaurant. And so literally just, you know, I think anyone, if you dedicate your entire life to something and you go all in on anything, I think, you know, you sort of have the ability to, uh, to have a chance at being successful on top of that there's just not a ton of good operators in the restaurant business. I mean, think about the businesses you guys own and the people you interview. And how many smart people say, well, I, I want to open a restaurant or I want to operate a bar. There's very few. So a lot of the successful restaurant people are former attorneys, just really sharp business guys. And I'm not that smart, but I think um, the, just the bar and the restaurant and bar business is low. So that was an advantage. You know, I wasn't... Just the restaurant and bar business sort of attracts people that have uh, a lot of stuff going on in their lives. You know, another another thing is you can't have any vices in the restaurant and bar business. You can't be a drinker. You can't be in a drugs. You can't be a womanizer. You can't be a degenerate gambler because the restaurant and bar business will swallow you up. So I think just sort of dedicating my life to it. And um, that was kind of the secret behind it.
1: This, this is something that I think is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. So a lot of our listeners are in the real estate business. And the way you describe the restaurant business, it's very similar to, I, Carol and I have been in real estate for, for a dozen years. It's very similar to what we've seen in the real estate business. There's a low barrier to entry. It's really, it's not that hard to get started. You can wake up one day and say, I want to be a real estate investor. There are a lot of people that kind of come in with no other alternatives, no other options, not a lot of experience. And so there's thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are kind of all. Starting from the same place. And you often wonder what differentiates the people that are successful from the people that are not successful. And I think you just summarized it really, really well. One, you dedicated your life to it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Number two, you weren't scared to ask really dumb questions. And I know uh, I'm i am the type, I often am scared to ask dumb questions. I don't want to look dumb. But if you want to be successful at something, there's nothing wrong with admitting, I don't know, and then asking those dumb questions. And then finally, surrounding yourself with really smart people. I mean, that's something that, that you, you can't do this on your own. You have to be able, you have to put together a good team. You have to get people that, that know what they're doing. And I, I, it, it's really, the formula is simple. You just have to work hard. You have to surround yourself with great people and you have to not be scared to put yourself out there to, to learn and ask the dumb questions. So for everybody out there that's in the real estate business, it's in the restaurant business or another low barrier to entry business, really I, the formula you just gave is, is, is so simple, but it's so effective.
0: And then I think uh, I'm impressed by, like, I remember when I was just starting out, really successful restaurateurs were happy to have conversations with me, answer emails, answer direct messages. So, you know, there's people out there, no matter how successful they are, they're willing to help you. And I sort of take, I take on that role now, not that I'm like anything right now, but like people that are just getting into the business, I have no problem helping them out or answering questions. So just asking for the knowledge, I think helps as well.
2: And I'd like to point out. Thank you for that, Brett. I'd like to point out, in addition to the the three parts of the formula that Jay just pointed out, that you are sitting here exhibiting a fourth piece of that formula, which is extreme humility. Here you are, the number one sports bar in America, and you're saying, Oh, I'm nothing, I don't know anything, et cetera. And so clearly that's not the case. But the fact that you are a servant leader, that you are out there helping other people in realizing and admitting that no matter how much of an expert you might be at something, no matter how much success that you have had, that there always are more things to learn is such a powerful, such a powerful thought for other people in business. So Thanks for keeping it real. Thanks for keeping it humble. And I'm sure that's a big factor of what's driving you forward.
1: So walk us through. So now you're getting some traction and the bar's doing well. And, and I assume you're probably getting some attention outside your small town. What did that look like? Were, were there any specific things that you put in place that kind of really differentiated yourself that people said, wow, this place isn't like every other bar and restaurant in the country. What, what kind of, what was that factor that led to you guys getting so big so quickly?
0: You know, I think opening in a, in a, you know, we're right next door to East Carolina University I and mean, opening our second location going on six years ago in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, right next to the University of North Carolina, and being able to replicate, sort of recreating a little bit of the magic that, that my brother started here at ECU, I think that uh, helped put us on the map because that location sort of take, took on the same energy as our location at ECU. So sort of having that visibility, I think, uh, helped. It sort of established us as a uh, as sort of a major player in the college restaurant and bar scene. And then I think just really being hyper-local and being a member of your community. And, um, you know, I, I don't know any other way when it relates to the restaurant business than just being in the restaurant and talking to customers and having a relationship with all 120 people we have on staff. So just really treating people the right way, uh, putting on great events, the, the product has to be good. But when it comes to restaurants, if you think about it, like every restaurant you go to right now has good food and good service. I mean, when was the last time you went somewhere and the food just sucked or the service just sucked? It's almost good everywhere, or at least good enough. So what sort of separates us from other restaurants? I think it's, you know, the energy of the restaurant, inside the restaurant. I think the heart we put into it, meaning how our staff cares about each other and our, and our customers And I think people know, you know, we're just trying to do the right thing, trying to put out a good product and and treat people the right way. So, and then obviously there's some marketing things in there, you know, staying relevant and cool and hip and, you know, hiring the right staff members. Because to me, something I tell our staff all the time is anybody can serve a hot dog, anybody can serve a beer, literally anyone. Um, So the restaurant business is a people game. So do you have the right people? Culture is a huge part of what we do. So, You know, those are kind of the sort of what takes you from just a regular restaurant to being one of the best, I guess, um, would just be probably the people and then the energy and the heart behind the business.
2: Excellent. Thank you. So those are all such important factors, kind of the secret sauce of of what has made you successful. So throughout all these years, what, almost a decade with the first location, you said six years with the second location. Give us a sense of of the of your operation overall, uh, kind of what it looked like, prior. let's say up to, let's say three weeks, uh, up to just before three weeks ago, right before this whole coronavirus health crisis hit. How many people did you have on staff? What kind of events were you doing? Any revenue numbers you're comfortable sharing? Just your overall big picture of what your operation looked like in those locations.
0: Sure, I mean this is a time where the weather gets warmer here in North Carolina. You know, weather is sort of everything for us. You know, especially hot dogs, burgers, drinks, college energy. So the nice weather sort of feeds into the beachy, fun vibe. So the weather is everything. So as it's warming up here, and also basketball season in Chapel Hill, this is a time where we sort of hit our stride and things are rocking and rolling. We do one event a year called Doggy Jams, which is basically just a big concert that we throw for the community and, and ECU students and DJ Diesel, who Shaquille O'Neal, was coming to uh, to DJ that event. Uh, that was scheduled for April 4th. So this was a time where we're just supposed to be hitting our stride. I mean, our, our we're a little seasonal, I would say, because, you know, when the students are gone and things are colder out, like December, January, February are slowish. And then March, April, May, things are crazy at both locations. So I was just sort of gear, getting ready to make sure we were 100% staffed up and just get ready to crush the last few months of the semester revenue wise, I mean, both locations are doing anywhere from over a million to a few million dollars in revenue. So both are, uh, high volume restaurants. And if you think about what we're serving five, $6 hot dogs, fries, you know, three, $4 beers, five, $6, uh, specialty drinks. Like that's a lot of volume. So both restaurants are incredibly high volume, which sort of adds another, uh, sort of, an incredible headache. Um, but, you know, it's revenue wise. We're lucky people come through the doors. Things are rocking and rolling. But uh, up until a couple weeks ago, you know, everything stopped or well, about a week ago, everything stopped. So that's kind of where we're so, at yeah, right before so- Corona.
1: Yeah, so, so let's talk about the impact that, that, that that's had on your business. And I think a lot of us uh, in our businesses, we can certainly relate. But what exactly, like what was the evolution or the devolution, I don't know the word, of over the last few weeks? Like did things drop off? Like one day you just said, okay, we're shutting down the the Eden or did it slow down? Was it an iterative thing? How did how did the whole transformation take place over the last few weeks for
0: the business? I mean, I sort of saw this coming. You know, I, I've been following the news and I, I sort of saw it coming. And then business really didn't slow down. I mean, up until I remember turning on, I mean, I knew there was a problem when I didn't want to be in our restaurants because they're packed. You know, both restaurants are relatively smallish. So there's a lot of people in a small area and I didn't want to be in there just for health reasons. And I'm watching the news. So, I mean, sort of the writing was on the wall. And then I, I remember, Last Saturday or Sunday before St. Patrick's Day, maybe the 14th or 15th, I turned on our cameras and, like, we're just slam jammed. And I see these two little, like, look like 75, 80-year-olds inside eating with a thousand people around them. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, So, you know, I just think from a public health standpoint, it wasn't good for us to be open and just crazy busy, even though revenue was great for business. You know, the weather was beautiful, packed, money's pouring in, everyone's making servers are making a ton of money. Everyone's happy, but I just don't think it was the right thing to do. And then that's number one. And then number two, I'm like, well, you know, there's, what if there's an outbreak that sort of stems from our restaurant? So I sort of started envisioning that and then, uh, you know, cause we're one of the most popular, you know, restaurants in this whole city. So if an outbreak sort of starts with us and that gets into the news, Corona outbreak started at sup dogs, infected a few hundred people. Like to me, that would be a total business killer. So combining both those things together, and I was talking to my older brother about it and we were like, what are we doing? Let's just, let's just shut it down. So uh, that Sunday I made a little video for Instagram and just said, look, the right thing to do is to fully shut down both businesses both restaurants and we're going to shut down for two weeks. We're going to pay our staff a hundred percent in its entirety and it include servers, bus guys, cooks, managers, everyone, a hundred percent. And then we'll reevaluate after two weeks. So that's what kind of what, what we're in the middle of doing right now. And I'm just sort of taking everything day by day and trying to uh, sort of stay on top of everything that's, that's going on in the news. But uh, it's brutal. And then, you know, a lot, most restaurants are doing, I'm, I'm, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but everyone's like, you got to support local, eat local, go do takeout. Oh, takeout's pennies. Like no restaurant's going to survive on takeout. I don't care who you are. So it might be a feel good thing right now where, oh, we're supporting the local. No one's going to survive on takeout. That's number one. And number two, like, is that the right message? So for me, nobody at ECU, none of these college kids were taking staying home seriously. So there is some value in us being... The cool spot at the university, just shutting down and telling everyone to stay home. I think that's sort of a lot of college students woke up and were like, wow, Sup dogs is shutting down. Maybe this thing is serious. As cheesy as it sounds, that's kind of the role, we, sort of the role we've taken on. So th- we're not even doing the takeout thing because it's hard for me to be like, oh, come do takeout, come visit us. But at the same time, stay home. It doesn't really make sense. And then, you know, I'm thinking about older people like my dad and I, it's just... It's just a, just an all around disaster but that's kind of where our business stands right now
2: wow it sounds like you are uh, really proactive in in realizing and harnessing the influence you had throughout the community to to in shutting down the restaurant and in having this influence over these college students because as you know the news is flooded right now especially down here we're seeing that so much in Florida mm-hmm. all these spring breakers they're not staying home it's they're partying they're just invincible you know and
1: and the businesses yeah. aren't doing anything to to curb that all. because they're just being greedy and saying hey i mean it, it really took the an order from the governor to say beaches are closed, restaurants are closed, because the hotels, the beaches, the restaurants, all of them would have just kept going. And so super kudos to you for for doing the right thing and, and for making a really hard decision. In addition to saying you're going to do the right thing for your employees, mm-hmm. um, that's that's got to be difficult for you. But it also it sends the message to, to them that you care about them. And long-term, whether this is your goal or not, long-term from a business perspective, everything you're doing is reinforcing that brand that you're part of the community. You're not just a business that's looking to make as much money as possible. You're looking to do the right thing and support the community and support your employees. And and that's a difficult thing to do. And it sounds like you did it without even thinking about it. So so kudos for that. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's... uh... It was sort of a no-brainer. I mean, people think, "Oh, there's they just have college students working for them." But that's just not true. We got a ton of full-time staff members, whether they're in the kitchen or managers or even servers that have children. So, for me to be able to sleep at night, like I can't I wish I cared more about money. Like I just uh I just don't I, I care more about uh just sort of doing the right thing, and it sounds cheesy, but if I cared more about money, I would you know, we'd probably be way more successful than we are, but to me, taking care of your staff, and that's another message. I wanted to send two messages, one to the college students, like, look, this is serious. You need to really consider staying home and figuring this out. That's number one, and number two, I wanted to sort of send a message to other businesses, like, take care of your staff. And almost zero restaurants have done it. I mean, huge restaurant companies, everyone's just laying off 95 to 100% of employees, then crossing their fingers that they're able to collect uh, unemployment. It's going to suck to write those checks to each staff member, but to me, just being able to sleep at night and, and taking care of people that have worked incredibly hard for me and my family's business is far greater than keeping the money in the bank account. But I also think a lot of restaurants aren't in a position because restaurants don't have any money. They don't, they don't have any money in the bank. They, I mean, I'm driving a 2012 Nissan Pathfinder. I try to le- live below my means so we can have a little bit of money in the bank. So if something crazy happens, we're able to to function and, and pay staff and and be able to deal with any issues like this. So in the restaurant game, like nobody has any money in the bank. So I think restaurant owners going forward need to find a way to save some money at all costs and be able to deal with issues like this because it sucks being able to just have to snap your fingers and not pay any of your staff members. I mean, that's just rough.
1: So you mentioned that that you're not encouraging other business owners to do takeout in the restaurant business, and like you said, it probably it's a, it's a relatively small amount of of income anyway. Um, well, let, me I'm not, let me say that. Let me say I'm
0: not discouraging it because if I needed the money right this minute, I would be in there probably selling takeout and you know trying to make a buck. So if if a, if a restaurant owner needs to do that to feed his family, do it. I'm all for it. But I just think fair, as a fair whole, enough. you know, it's probably not a good idea.
1: Fair enough. So, so what can we as... People that care about our community, because Carol and I talk about this all the time. We want to support our local restaurants. Um, we, Our favorite restaurant we found out was doing carryout yesterday, and we're like, we're going to go and we're going to actually get them to cater for 20 or 30 people, and we're just going to take food to our neighbors. Cool. And then last night we found out that they closed down, mm. um, and, and they're just sitting it out. So, what, in addition to supporting takeout, um, what are the other things that we, as as people that care about our community, what can we be doing to support our local businesses? And I've heard buy gift certificates. So, so basically, even if you're not using them now, you can you can encourage people to start frequenting those businesses later. Are there other things that we can be doing now?
0: Look, as long as you're considering a donation. I'm fine with it, but you know, I just read something the other day that from the National Restaurant Association that they're expecting 75% of restaurants to close and never reopen. So if you go and buy a gift card, just be ready to just be ready that that gift card will be worth zero. So that's why a lot of restaurants are doing big discounts on gift cards. Hopefully it's not a money grab. I mean, they might just need money to feed their family, but as long as you're fine with making a donation, then just do it. That's that's nice. I think I think The only way restaurants are going to survive right now is if everyone from landlords to banks to the food companies you owe money to to the beer companies you owe money to, if everyone's able to sort of work together. If the landlord gives you one or two months free, if the bank's willing to refinance your loans or push back any payments 90 days or six months or whatever it is, that's the only way restaurants are going to survive. I mean, I think the public spending a few bucks on takeout helps short term the owner to be able to pay his electricity bill at home. But as far as keeping the the restaurant operating as if they haven't saved a nice chunk of money in the bank over the last few years, you just have no shot. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a, the restaurant, it's going to be a bloodbath. Um,
1: I, I'm not going to lie. That's that's so sobering. And I, I came into this conversation. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I was hoping for, hey, here are all the things <laughs> we can do and everything's going to be great. And yeah. I, I mean, the, the reality is that it is exactly what you said. And I think a lot of us, it, it's easy to kind of bury our heads in the sand and, and think that, oh, all of this is going to work out. E- even if we're thinking our own businesses are, are at risk, we're, we're thinking, well, we'll figure it all out. And the reality is that. There's a lot of people that aren't going to be figuring it out. And there are a lot of people that that are going to be in dire straits and, and there may not be any good answers. And
0: yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a tough it's, part. It's, and, and, and there's so like I know so many good people right now that have been laid off. And what, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? And that's and that part just sucks just thinking about it because you can't help them all. And I, I think it's sort of started with the restaurant business. Literally every restaurant, every big chain has laid off every single employee. So what are those people going to do? And I think it started with the restaurant business, but I think it's just going to trickle down to a lot of other businesses.
1: Have you talked to, as a leader in your community, has anybody in government reached out to you? Have, has the Chamber of Commerce reached out to you? I mean, is there any talk of how you might get support either from the federal or the state or the local government moving forward as a small business owner? Or is that something that just hasn't happened yet?
0: You know, I've, I've got messages from, you know, the city manager sort of thanking us for closing, because I think that gave them some cover to locally make some big decisions. And it's almost looks like it was supported by local business. So, um, but as far as business wise, I don't think anybody knows until the government bills are passed, until they sort of figure out unemployment. And you know, I've been in daily communication with our accountant, because I'm trying to figure out keeping our staff paid and um, sort of The best way for our business to be able to keep people paid, but take advantage of anything the government offers. So I think it's just such a very fluid situation. That's a tough part because we have 120 employees that are all looking at me for direction, but there's no direction from anyone. So we're just sort of taking it day by day. And I think the reality is there's going to be a lot of your favorite restaurants that you like to eat at every day. Most of them are going to be gone. I think eventually others will reopen and sort of fill that void. But I think as a whole in the restaurant business, I think there's too many restaurants as a whole. There's just too many restaurants and not enough people. The margins are incredibly low in the restaurant business. Rent's high. uh, A lot of people, you know, I I think the restaurant business was already on the verge of uh, falling in tough times. And this sort of just sort of was the, the knockout punch.
1: Yeah. And it's 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 interesting because I talked earlier about how the restaurant business in a lot of ways is similar to the real estate business in that there's low barrier to entry and there's a lot of competition amongst people that probably don't have much experience or don't have much competitive advantage. And I think it's the same thing, just like you said, a lot of restaurants are going to go away. It's going to happen. Same thing in the, in the real estate world. There are going to be a lot of investors and a lot of people in the real estate world who, because it's a low barrier to entry business, if you don't have a competitive advantage, if you have haven't worked your butt off like you have 24/7 you're you're going to you're just going to be one of that that low hanging fruit that's not going to that's going to find that you're going to have to figure something else out and it's just another reminder that even though something like this obviously was was unexpected it's just another reminder of why it's so important to figure out how to differentiate yourself to, to to work really hard to do things differently to do things smarter and, and to really try and make an impact around your community because when something like this happens and and recessions happen cyclically. I mean, that, that's not a su- surprise. Obviously, something like this is, is a surprise. You just you need to be prepared. And you do that by being better, being different, being working harder than, than your competitors. And, and, it, and it's, I, th- it's
0: a, I think everything you're saying is relating to brand as well. So when all restaurants go away for three months because of the coronavirus, when we all re- reopen or a nice chunk of us reopen, what's going to get people to come through your doors? It's going to be the brand. Can the brand survive disappearing for three to six months. And if, and if you spent the last decade creating that brand and creating that culture and being a a member of your community, you have a shot of getting people to come back through the door. So to me, like I back to what I was saying about everyone can serve a hot dog or a beer or in your instance, anyone can buy a piece of land, but I think brand always wins out. And I think that's really going to differentiate a lot of businesses when things finally get back to normal.
2: In addition, Brett, to this brand building over a long period of time that you've done, I think if I remember correctly, uh, the video that you posted to Instagram, Facebook was talking about some initiatives you were doing out in the community to help right. the community. Can you maybe talk more about that just to like spark some ideas of what we as business owners, things that we might be able to do to serve others during this time that will also keep us front and center when the economy does evolve eventually start coming
0: back? Yeah, I think, you know, just finding out what needs are out there in the community. You know, in the video, I sort of posted that we were going to feed people that need students that needed a lunch that were out of school now since public schools are all closed down. There's enough food. So everyone's being fed. Thank goodness. But the Pitt County schools, they ran out of to-go boxes to put the food in. And they called me and and luckily we had a huge warehouse full of to-go boxes. So I was able to give them two grand worth of to-go boxes and the ladies crying to me. So that was something that, uh, you know, I haven't really mentioned anywhere because I think it's the right thing to do. You know, just sort of filling any needs if you can. If you can't do it, um, you don't have the means to do it, then, you know, you can only do what you can do. You know, but for me as a business owner, my thoughts are first me and my family, of course, and then our 120 employees, making sure they're taken care of as best we can. And then three, what can we do for the community? And I thought that was a cool opportunity for us to be able to do something simple, which is open up our storage unit and give them, you know, 10,000 or 8,000 to go boxes, whatever we did. So That is great. That's kind of how we helped. And, you know, I've sort of put messages out to city officials that we're here to help in any way we can. But it's going to be one of those things that's sort of day to day. You know, nobody can kind of, we don't know what needs to be helped just yet because things are I have a feeling things are just going to continue to get rougher for a while. I don't mean to be so doom and gloom on here but like I mean it's just it's, it's reality. Yeah. It's
1: just
2: the reality.
1: Yep, and it's it's not something that's going to come it's like you said it's something that's kind of already hit and and people are being affected today and
0: uh, But I think there well, well the, the bright side is I think if you've put yourself in a good position there's going to be a ton of opportunity. So, you know we 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 have two locations we came close to opening in Raleigh a bunch of times, but to me, the commercial, before all this, the commercial real estate market was crazy. I mean, Raleigh right now thinks they're Beverly Hills. I mean, it's impossible to make money when you're paying 45, $50 a square foot. Like, so we haven't opened any locations in a while. A lot of that's because I think commercial real estate was just incredibly, it's impossible to find a prime location and be able to make any money. Um, and two, you know, we had our daughter, so that sort of changed everything in our lives. Um, but I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity. So if you're in a good position, if somehow you can weather this storm, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity going forward once the, the dust settles. So I'm excited for that. But what I'm not excited for is, you know, the heartache and the stories of people that have lost everything. Because there's just so many good people that have been counting on, have spent their whole lives dedicated to the restaurant business and just, you know, snap your fingers and you just have no income and no job and no hope. So, but there is going to be a lot of opportunity. You guys have to be excited for that. I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Well, um, yes, it's one of those things that uh, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You, You hate the fact that your opportunity comes at the expense of others, but there is opportunity. And for those that work hard and for those that can innovate, there's a chance to, to, to rebuild. And so hopefully like you said I mean hopefully we won't get to the point where 75 percent of restaurants go out of business but on the bright side the best will be the ones that survive and and I think that's it's going to be that way in, in a lot of industries where there's going to be less choice but there's going to be some some of the the Better business owners and some of the better brands and some of the better products in every in every niche are are going to to thrive and 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 really have an opportunity to shine.
0: And then I also think people need to like I'm not afraid to go back to like like if we need to like or I'm cooking and my wife serving I have no problem doing that. I mean, when we first got in this. You know, my wife was 34 in a college town, and we're, I was like, "Look, we need you working Saturday night." because we need the 150 dollars in tips. So if we need to go back to that, I have no problem grinding it out and going right back to where I was 8 years ago. No problem doing that. So I think if people can just at this time if things are getting tough, sort of put your ego, put your, you know, hey, put all that aside and just go back to grinding, I think people will have a shot.
2: I think that's great advice. I think if there are and, and I kind of relate that to what I'm seeing is, you know, a very a very small glimmer of hope. I feel like this whole situation is bringing us all back to kind of a much simpler time, right? A time when there wasn't as much choice, there wasn't so much crazy. There was, you know, there when when there's a time when it's just like the nobody's above doing anything to make money and support your family, to just do what's to do what's right and stop chasing the glory, stop chasing the the bigger, more glamorous type of roles and just do what's necessary and all come together as a community so that it all works out to the best for everybody. So it's it's refreshing to hear that.
0: Totally. And think about it, like, and if you have to go back to that, if I have to go back to, if my wife needs to work behind the bar to make a hundred bucks, like who cares? And, And I think people sometimes have the ego where, you know, with Facebook and Instagram, you know, they want to pretend they're, you know, But nobody cares, like, especially at this time, everyone's going through so much shit, whether it's with having uh, a family member that could be affected by uh, coronavirus or their business is affected. People have so much going on that nobody cares if you have to make ends meet or you have to take a job that's not glamorous or or if I have to go back to cleaning toilets at the restaurant, like, nobody cares now. I mean, everyone's, yeah, you got to do what you got to do to... to make it.
2: It's totally, like I read earlier, you know, someone just said, this is very much the great equalizer. And it really is. I mean, there's like zero judgment right now. So it's just like, whatever
0: you got to do, just go with it. Yeah. Everybody's taking on the chin right now. (laughs) Yep.
1: Yep. Brett, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Thank you. I know this was not necessarily a fun conversation for any of us, but the, the reality is the reality. And, uh, and you've certainly, if nothing else, again, I was, I was, I was waiting to hear a bright side, yeah. um, but sometimes there, there's not a bright side and sometimes we need to, to face that reality and, and maybe that pushes us forward a, a little bit harder to try and overcome the struggles that we're all going to be facing. Do me a favor, tell us where we can find out a little bit more about you, about your business. Hopefully we'll be reopened and, and moving again forward soon. Where can people get in touch with you and find out more?
0: Sure. Uh, just hit us up on Instagram, SUPDogs Restaurant, S-U-P-D-O-G-S Restaurant. And if you're passing through Eastern North Carolina or the Triangle, pop in and see us. You know, it, as far as a positive side of things, you know, we're one day closer to this thing being over than we were yesterday. So my wife and I talk about that all the time. We're like, we wake up and it's like, man, this sucks, the market's down. There's no end of this on the horizon. But the reality is, we're one day closer to being over, right? So there will come a time where businesses reopen, people are back to making money. It's it's pretty doom and gloom right now, but we're we're one day closer to everything being awesome. So um, that's sort of the mentality I'm taking.
1: You you talked about the opportunity. I look forward to having you back again next year and talking about uh, hopefully brighter things and, yeah. and more positive things <laughs> and maybe talking about some of that great opportunity that's come
0: along. Yeah, no problem. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on and thinking of me and. Uh, Hopefully this conversation hasn't been boring. Uh, hopefully, no. This is great. Cool.
2: No, it's been great, and okay. it's been very real and authentic. And it's just what people need right now. People need to know that they're not in this alone. That we're all struggling in yeah. our own individual ways, and it's just it's just reality. And we just have to band together and somehow figure out how to make itself so, make ourselves uh, just work through it all. So, thank you for being so authentic and, and real.
0: No problem. And thank you guys for what you guys do. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Take care.
1: Well, I am not going to lie. I went into that that interview hoping that we would have uh happier and more positive outlook than we ended up having. But here's the thing: this is this is real. And Brett was raw. And what he's experiencing, again, if, if he's owner of the number one bar in the country and he's experiencing this, just imagine what the other tens of thousands of bars and restaurants around the country are dealing with. And this is something it's not just him. All of us are in this together. And uh yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough show, but uh but it's it's a message that I think resonates with a lot of us right now.
2: I completely agree. But that said, I am going to reiterate his bright side, which is, do you remember what it was? I do remember. Right. He said, we are one day closer to being past this thing. So that's huge. We have to keep that somehow. We have to be in the mindset of this whole on a macro level. We are going to get through this. We are going to get past it we are all just banding together to do the best we can do and this is not a permanent situation. So everybody, hold your heads high and just keep moving forward.
1: Yep. And let me just reiterate one more thing. I loved his point about how important brand is. We talk about that a lot on the show and especially during times like this where your business may be going away for a few weeks or a few months, but eventually, hopefully it will come back. And the stronger your brand is going into something like this, the more likely you are to recover because people are going to remember and they're going to be, want to be associated with that brand. So, so always be focusing on brand. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Hang in there. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. She's Carol. I'm Jay.
2: So go take care of yourself, your family, your employees, and your community today. Hang in there, everyone. Till next time. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.